Thank you for joining us for Sermons on Demand from Friendship Grace Brethren Church. We provide these videos as a way to share the pulpit messages and teachings offered at Friendship Grace Brethren Church. If you find these videos a helpful resource, please drop us a note at info at friendshipgracebrethren.com. Now open your Bibles and get ready to dig into the Word of God. You okay. are so right about it coming together. Yeah, the, the more you read it, the better it comes together. And I'm always amazed that there are there are there's still new things to see that seem very plain that all of a sudden you see them and you didn't see it before. Okay, anybody have any questions before we get started? Well, I did, did find, find where I thought the eight days were. Okay. It is in Deuteronomy chapter nine, starting at verse. <coughs> Deuteronomy 9, what? I'm sorry, I coughed. 15. Okay. It says, So I turned and came down the mountain, and the mountain was burning with fire, and the two tablets of the covenant were in my two hands. And I looked, and behold, you had sinned against the Lord your God. You had made yourself a golden calf. You had turned, as you had turned aside quickly from the way that the Lord had commanded you. So I took hold of the two tablets and threw them out of my two hands and broke them before your eyes. Then I lay prostrate before the Lord as before, 40 days and 40 nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water because of all the sin that you had committed in doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord to, 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 to provoke him to anger. If that... To me, to that, me that sounds, sounds like he was 40 days and nights on the mountain with nothing to eat or drink. And now he laid down in front of God 40 days and 40 nights. Yeah, but remember what Deuteronomy is. Deuteronomy is, is presented right before the crossing into the, uh, into the promised land. And it was Moses telling the story of the last 40 years. Right. Mo Moses is, is telling a, a compressed story. And so not all of the details that we saw earlier in Exodus are there. He's telling a story. I went up and did this, and I came down, and something happened, and I went up and did this. Doesn't make them simultaneous events or sequential events. He, he's, okay. Deuteronomy is all about his, his messages that he's giving to the people on the, on the eve of them crossing the Jordan into the Promised Land. Thanks. I didn't have any. Oh, I, got, I got drink. Linda's watching out for me. She saw me coughing. And I used up all my cough candies. Oh. <laughs> so I need to go back to Exodus and see if this was actually sequential. Right. And and I don't think it was. I matter of fact, I I would think off the top of my head there was a year in between those those events. I don't quote me on that, but I think there was some length of time between the the first giving of the Ten Commandments and the second one. I didn't think that I wasn't this isn't meaning the second commandment second ten commandments. This is just that he laid down in front of God and said don't don't kill him God. Oh yeah. Okay. But it's all yeah. right. Yeah there's there's but it's all right I will but even if it was 80 days, it was supernatural just to make 40 days. You can't go 40 days without water. Yeah. Any other questions? 
okay. I uh, I got a question in advance this time. Thank you, those that were involved in me getting it in advance. Um, concerning tithes, and the question was, how many tithes do uh, did the Israelites have? And so I, uh, you should have received in your announcement a, uh, a printout or a handout on tithes. And so I want to I want to go over that this morning. How many or this evening? How many tithes did Israel have to bring? It's it's really a misunderstood. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mary. I said it's a lot. They had to tithe a lot of their stuff. Yeah, it's really it's really misunderstood. We think of ten percent as ten percent of income, but that's not what we're talking about here. Um, let me let me get. You should have this in your notes, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm just going to hit some highlights. The word tithe is only mentioned twice in the Old Testament outside of the civil law. The first mention of tithe is when Abraham, still Abram gives a tenth of the spoils of his battles to Melchizedek, the king of Salem, as a, as a worship. It wasn't a required thing. It was voluntary, but it was, uh, it was a way for him to worship God since uh, Melchizedek was the king and the priest of the Most High God. Um, the next mention of tithe, apart from the civil law, is when Jacob promises to give a tenth of his increase and again, that was voluntary. So, Abram gives a tenth of his of the spoils, and Jacob promises to give a tenth of his increase. The the giving of tenth was a custom, was a regional custom in Canaan, in Mesopotamia, and in Egypt. The giving of a tenth did not originate with the Jews, but it was something they understood. And I suspect that it was such a custom in the region that it was something passed on from the from the earlier from before the patriarchs. That maybe that was something that had been established early on and it just became a custom. Now let's talk about the Levitical or let's talk about the ties in the Old Testament civil law. Um, the Levitical tithe in, in uh, Leviticus 27, 30 to 33. And I'm not going to read all the verses. You can look those up at, uh, when you want. Every tithe of, of the land, whether the seed or of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. If a man wishes to redeem some of the tithe, he shall add a fifth to it. And every tithe of herds and flocks, every tenth animal, um, of all that pass under the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. That's not 10% of income. That's 10% of net worth. Just do those calculations sometimes. And uh, that's, uh, that's kind of extreme. That's the tithe that's often called the first fruits tithe. It was an annual tithe given to the, to the Levites. This was, in effect, pay for the Levites. It didn't, when once the temple was built, it didn't uh, care for taking care of the temple or anything like that. That's what the temple tax was for. This was just a, a tenth of the, of the produce 
from from all of the places that makes that do stuff and all of the herds and everything for the Levites to have an income. The Levites were then required to take a tenth of what they received and give it to the high priest. So you can see after a while the high priest got to be pretty wealthy. Because he was making good money. That's the Levitical tithe. That's that's 10% of the uh, of the produce. The next the one Levites had to give it to the high priest or to all priests. No, to the high, Well, the Levites give it to the that that includes the priest. Levites include the priest. Not all Levites are priests, but not but all priests are Levites. But of that tithe that went to the Levites, they had to give 10% to the high priest. I'm just going past some some verses here that we don't need to uh, to cover. Um now, the, the next one is the celebratory tithe, Deuteronomy 12, 6 and 7. And there shall bring, uh, you shall bring your burnt offering and your sacrifices, your tithes, and your contribution that you present, your vow offerings, your freewill offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and of your flock. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, and you and your household in all that you undertake in which the Lord your God has blessed you. There are a number of other passages there. You can see them. This tithe was set every year to cover the expenses of Hebrew worshipers traveling to and from Jerusalem uh, for the prescribed feast. This tithe also covered their expenses while in Jerusalem. Think about it. They may be in Jerusalem for a month. And so there was there was income or there was there was offerings given for them to have food and a place to stay and all that kind of stuff. That came from their own their own uh, um, wealth as well. And as the Levitical tithe, a portion of this tithe, tithe was used for the Levites. There is some discrep- discrepancy in the in the rabbinic teaching of whether that was ten percent or not. Most of them say it was, but a couple of them say it wasn't. So, I don't know. That's the celebratory tithe. So that's now 20% of all that they have every year. That then would, really, the, would be really rough, though, if they those tithes were turtle doves. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't be much to eat on in, in Jerusalem. Nope. Now, the next one is the welfare tithe. At the end of every three... This is Deuteronomy 14, 28. At the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up in your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. So every third year... They were to uh, to take another tithe that would then be kept locally. Now this is not this is not the IRS taking money. This is the the temple and the Levites taking goods, product, produce, animals, and it would be stored locally for the the poor and the indigent, the hurt, and and the people that can't feed themselves 
to this is their welfare system. That's why we've titled it the welfare tithe. Now that's 10% every third year. So every third year you get 30% of your of your net worth is being given. The the tithes these tithes were not collected on sabbatical years since no harvest uh, was taken. So every seventh year was 0%. Um, during the, let me see if I can get to the right, right slide. There we go. During the 20% uh, year one, 20% year two, 30% year three, 20% year four, 20% year five, 30% year six, zero year seven. That averages out to 20% a year. That's a lot of tithes. And remember, that's not just income. That's 10% of what they had. That's a lot. Now, Peter, Paul, and, uh, and John, in the New Testament, the majority writers of the New Testament, they don't talk about tithes at all. It's not mentioned in their writings. It's only mentioned three times in the New Testament. Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So here Jesus is, is chastising the Jewish leadership for the way they've applied the tithe but they are not taking care of the real issues that they ought to be taken care of the next time in Luke the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus God I thank you that I'm not like other men extortioners, unjust adulterers or even like this tax collector I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I get so even in his hypocritical statement, he's not, he's not making it right. He's saying, of all I get, not all I have. But we already established that the statutes given in Leviticus and, and, uh, and uh, Deuteronomy say, no, you give, you, it's, it's a percentage of what you have, not what you get. So even in his hypocritical statement, he's not getting it right. And then the next... Uh, Could you... Go ahead. Could you briefly differentiate, so it's clear in my mind for the Germans, what's the difference between what you have and what you get? Well, let's say, let's, let's, let's take our house, for example. It was recently um, said by the Lee County Property Appraisers, it's, uh, what was the number, Linda, 409, is that right? Is that what they said? Something like that? $409,000. I would have to pay 20% of that 409 plus our income and, and all of that versus 10% or 20% of my income and not including what I already own. Okay. Okay. It, it's, a, it's a tithe of your net worth 
not your net income. And then the next place in uh, in the New Testament is just a reference back to Melchizedek. Um, that's in Hebrews 7. So we don't have any command to, to, to tithe. I know there's a lot of Baptist churches around that tell you that the scripture teaches that you have to tithe. There is no command for the church to tithe anywhere. And if you were going to use a biblical principle established by what the Jews had to do, it would be greater than 10%. But you have to go to 1 Corinthians 16 and 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 to see what the New Testament teaching is about giving. In the Old Testament... I'm sorry? As the Lord has blessed you. Right. 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 Cheerfully, not begrudgingly. So the Old Testament law established that every tenth of the produce of the land belongs to the Lord. Ten percent of the herd and the flock belong to the Lord. Not just what's new that year, ten percent of the total every year. Following the exiles, tithes were uh, reinstated with one primary difference. Rather than taking all of the tithe to Jerusalem, after the exile, families could bring their tithes to, uh, to local storehouses like the welfare tithe was, and they could keep it lo- locally, and the, the Levites would administer it. That caused there to be all sorts of fraud and waste and abuse. They still had the tithes every tithe. Um, they had the two tithes every year, except the first sabbatical years, <coughs> and three tithes every third year. So tithes, the the tithes required for Israel were large. It required a great deal of sacrifice, and it required. Come on, there you go, and it required. Israel to depend more on God and less on themselves. But it provided for everything that they needed. But by the time that the temple was built, a tax was then collected. We saw Jesus, uh, Peter, have to go down to uh, to the Sea of Galilee and get a get a, a, a coin out of the fish's mouth to pay Peter and Jesus' temple tax. The temple was cared for by that tax that you had to pay in the temp- for the temple, and synagogues raised their own taxes the same way. The synagogues are a product of the, uh, of the um, exile as well, and those local synagogues collected money from their own people through taxes and, and paid... Uh, for the upkeep and, and the building of the synagogues that way. So think about what, what Israel what an Israelite was paying. Every third year they were paying 30% of their net worth and they were still paying other taxes on top of that. Big deal. Questions so about Yeah. And whatever's in your bank account, 20%. Right. 20% of your car. Right. Theoretically, 20% of your clothes, pictures on the wall, everything. Right. It was unbelievable how much faith they had to have. 
And it, it was done that way on purpose. God was not taxing them out of spite. He was making them depend on him. One of the other questions that I have uh, this evening, and let me see if I can find the right one, is... Uh, Okay, here we go. This follows right in suit with this, so I'll just go I'll just go to this one. Okay. Read Deuteronomy 17:1. Why does God restrict sacrifices to animals without blemish? Deuteronomy 17.1 says, You shall not sacrifice to the Lord your God, your God an ox or a sheep in which is a blemish, any defect for uh, whatever, for that is an abomination to the Lord your God. So why think, is that? <laughs> I think for two reasons. First, because God is holy and pure, and the blemish is... Definitely not, not anything, anything holy or pure. pure. But, but two, I think because, because that demanded the best. The best. And, and by doing that, they had to give to God, and then, so they had to take more from their proper herd, which demanded more faith that God would continue to increase the herd because they took the best out. You're, you're, you're partially there. But it's also a picture of Jesus. That's why none of his bones were broken. That's correct. You're still only partially there. You both are right, but you're not complete yet. I think there are five reasons. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Linda. MacArthur says to offer less than the best was to despise God's name. Offering less than a perfect sacrifice was in fact failing to acknowledge God as the ultimate provider of all that was best in life. I think there are five reasons why... Uh, why God did uh, did this. I think one, it reflects who God is. He's the creator, sustainer of the universe. He's uh, He is the great uh, and awesome God. I think it also reflects man's obligation to God. Linda, can you mute? Thanks. Sorry. I didn't close my door because it was getting too hot in here. And so it... Uh, it echoes. Uh, it reflects man's obligation to God. God deserves the best from us because he is the best. Mm -hmm. It also is a, a form of true worship. It reflects the, the true heart of the mm -hmm. sacrificer. If I think God is the best, I need to give him the best. I think it, so it reflects true worship. It requires the, fam the family to depend on God for the future. This is big. You know, if, if, you were, if you were trying to grow your herd, you would want the strongest and the best, with the best characteristics, to be what you, uh, what you mate with your others to, to grow a great, big, beautiful herd. But God says, no, no, those are mine. I'll give you. You can have what's left, but you you don't you don't give me the runt. I mean, what sacrifice is it to give the runt of the litter to God? It's no sacrifice at all. You don't want him anyway. 
And as, uh, as Sybil said, it uh, points the way to the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think, I think the, sac- the, the requirement for a perfect sacrifice is bigger than just God wants the best. Okay. Now let's go with this question. Read uh, Deuteronomy 12, 1 through 7. This will be our final one this morning, this evening. It's morning somewhere. Read uh, Deuteronomy 12, 1 through 7. How is this important to the Jews today, and how does it apply to the church today? Deuteronomy 12, 1 through 7. These are the statutes and the rules that you shall be careful to do in the, in the land that the Lord your God of your fathers has given to you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. By the way, that's another one of those statements that I believe makes it so that first century Christian Jews still had to be Jews because the law there was um, all the days that you live on the earth. You shall surely destroy all the places that, uh, where the nations whom you shall dispossess serve their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. You shall tear down their altars and dash in their pieces, their pillow, dash in pieces their pillars and burn their ashram uh, with fire. You shall crop down, no, chop down the carved images of their gods and destroy their name out of the out of the place. You shall not worship the. Lord your God in that way. But you shall seek to place you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name and make his habitation there. There you shall go, and there you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices and your tithes and your contribution that you present, your vow offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herd of and of your flock. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, and you shall, you and your household, in all that you undertake, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. So, how is this important to the Jews today? They're stuck. They can't do it. Right, because God designated the uh, Mount Moriah, or the mountains of Moriah, um, Zion the Temple Mount, whatever, however you want to describe it, he designated it as that that's the place of sacrifice. So for the Jews, that's the only place they can sacrifice. But they don't have access. Right now, Jews can't even go on the Temple Mount. Uh, as of last week, the, uh, the, the uh, Muslims have restricted them from going onto the Temple Mount again. This happens all the time. Why for this time? Who knows? Somebody burped or said something. <laughs> Who knows? So what this means is, since since General Titus, later Emperor Titus, destroyed the temple in 70 AD, the Jews have not been able to offer sacrifices in the prescribed place. So they, they don't have a place to collectively worship. They don't have a place to offer sacrifices. They can come together in their respective synagogues, but they have no place where they can uh, become ceremonially clean and sacrifice. This means that the Jews today are not offering sacrifice. 
There's no church, there's no obligation for the church to worship in specific locations like there was for Israel. God specifically says, said, go to the tabernacle wherever I build it or have it stationed. And then when I build the temple, go there. But that's the only place, that's, that's where you collectively as a people worship. Yes, Mary? I think that we are blessed beyond the Jews because we are the tabernacle for, for God because the Holy Spirit lives with us. We have the place to worship and it doesn't go away because it's us. Right, but that's discounting one and very important fact. Even though there's no church obligation to worship in a specific location, there is, however, an obligation to gather collectively to fellowship and worship. Yes, it is. So we, we, we can look at verses like Hebrews 10.25, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we have an obligation to collectively gather just like the Hebrews did. We just don't have a specific location. We have many locations wherever as uh, wherever two or, or three are gathered um, we can collectively worship the Lord there's also no obligation to sacrifice in a specific location but there is an obligation to sacrifice we, we, we're not free from obligation of sacrifice Romans 12.1, I appeal you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So what, uh, what Paul is telling the Romans here is you have an obligation to gather together and worship, and you have an obligation for your life to be worship and for your life to be a sacrifice. It's not about you, it's about him. The same things apply. The same principles apply as it did for Israel. You could, I I know lots of very smart, intellectual PhD holders that are Bible teachers that could be making tons of money doing something else. But they trust God to supply them and they're busy teaching the word. That's, That's an example of how there's a sacrifice to serving God. Now, I also know lots of other guys who are not good teachers who make millions. So there's no correlation, but the church is not obligated to present animal sacrifices to God. We're obligated to give everything we have, our life, our wealth, and everything that we are to serve God without restriction to location and time. I appreciated the uh, devotional this morning from the Bible Project when he was talking about the the word that we translate as, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what was it, mind? Might. Might. Strength. 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 Yeah. Strength or might. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I appreciated the way he put that together. That was good. Mm-hmm. And that gives you an, uh, an understanding of how when Jesus quoted that, he quoted it as mind and not as might. A lot of people call that an error on Jesus. And no, it's actually what the word means, right? It's Because he's using mind there as a reference to his everything. What is the word that, that uh, the guy this morning used? His bigness? Was that the word yes. he used? Oh, shoot. Um, muchness. Muchness, that's right. Muchness. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have I have lots of others, but we uh, we've used up all the time. So 
Any questions or comments? The Passover, I always thought the Passover could be celebrated at the Israelite home. But when I read it this time, I realized Passover has to be celebrated in Jerusalem. Yes, Passover would be uh, would be celebrated in this in the place God pr- provided. It is celebrated right. in homes today as the seder because they don't have any any op- any other option. I, for whatever reason, that didn't click till this time. Yeah, that's why that's why Jerusalem was was so busy when the church began because people came for Passover and stayed, you know, the month and a half for uh, Pentecost for Pentecost. Which is not a Christian feast; it was a celebration before um, the church. For first fruits or something. Yeah. But that I, that I didn't, I didn't put that together till this time. Okay. Any other questions or comments? Okay, then uh, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that we don't have to travel across the world or across country every year and bring a whole bunch of animal sacrifices. In some ways, this that would have been easier than the sacrifice you've asked us, you've commanded us to bring, but we, uh, we try to do that. We try to sacrifice our life for you, not in a physical sense where we lay down our life, although many are willing to do that, What you've called us to do is to be busy about serving you and not ourselves. And while sometimes that translates into into being poor or poverty, sometimes it also translates into being wealthy. And that's all dependent on what you want, how you want it to go. So we're we're thankful that you've given us the, the ability and the opportunities to serve you. And as Paul tells us, you've even planned for good works for us to do before we before we know it and Paul also told us that you can do way more than we can even dream of so uh, it all works out as you've told us very clearly in your word so thank you for our time together thank you that we could have the opportunity to share and and uh, and discuss these uh, points there's so much more that we could discuss and uh, we look forward to being together again to do that Give us a great rest of this week. Those of our numbers that are struggling physically, we ask that you would uh, you put your hand of comfort and, and your healing hand on them. Thank you for all mm-hmm. that you do. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching or listening to this teaching on demand from Friendship Grace Brethren Church. Please consider sending us an email at info at friendshipgracebrethren.com to let us know how this teaching may have helped you. Please also consider joining us in person at Friendship Grace Brethren Church, located at 10251 Metro Parkway, Suite 116, Fort Myers, Florida, just south of the intersection of Metro and Colonial Boulevard. Sunday school begins at 9 and worship service at 10 a.m. We look forward to seeing you in person at Friendship Grace Brethren Church.